0: Hello friends, Sagan here. Welcome back to the -the behind-the-scenes audio tour of my journey with writing and publishing books. Today, we have a listener-submitted episode idea from Alana, who asked if I could do a reading from one of my books. I love this question. As much as I would love to create audiobooks for each of my novels, I haven't gotten around to doing it just yet. I still need to do more research on it and figure out the best way of going about it. It's only been in the past year or so that I've actually started listening to audiobooks, and I have found that there is something so fascinating about internalizing a story when you hear it being read to you rather than reading the words on the page yourself. I really like being able to do other things around the house, like cleaning or filing papers, while listening to audiobooks. Combining that mindful task with a mindless one can be of like, you know, doing, um, doing cleaning and that kind of thing. So the mindful task of listening to audiobooks, mindless one of sort of doing stuff around the house that can just be really nice. It can just be a really lovely way to pass the time. While I was doing some house sitting a month or so ago, I also had the novelty of being able to access a balcony. So every single day I would sit outside on the balcony to watch the world go by while listening to an audiobook. Just the perfect way to pass the time, especially during these lovely, lovely summer months. Something that I find interesting about audiobooks is how you have to pay almost closer attention to the story than if you're reading the words on the page. You can't let your mind drift off. You can't really skim things at all. When you're listening to the audiobooks, you need to really pay attention to every little detail especially because if you miss something and need to go back to get a refresher from earlier on in the book, it's much more difficult to do that in an audiobook than just flipping through pages to try to find the previous section that you missed. There's also a fascinating aspect with audiobooks in that you are getting someone else's take on how the book is read. The inflection of voice and the emphasis on one thing compared to another can create a whole new perspective of the story. Oral storytelling provides a kind of intimacy between the storyteller and the listener, and it really enables us to process the story in a different way. It's an important tradition that humans have been doing across all cultures since ancient times. It's pretty special. So, for today's episode on the topic of oral storytelling, I want to read out loud for you chapter two in my latest novel, She Wants More. You can read the first chapter in the free chapters of the book of the books section of this secret podcast as well. I've never actually done a reading out loud of one of my books, so we will see how this goes today. Um, I hope you enjoy today's book reading, and I would love to hear what you think of it. Okay, she wants more Book four in the Polyamorous Passions series. Chapter 2. Helen had been on the phone for the last 20 minutes, trying to calm down a client who was getting nervous. Totally freaking out, her assistant warned when they passed the call along, about a campaign launching the the following day. She was used to these kinds of last-minute anxious calls, but still had to pace back and forth around her office to keep herself from snapping at the client. Nate, I'm going to need you to take a breath, okay? Good. Now, what did I tell you when we first started working on this project? Nate's voice was a muffled crackle on the other end of the line. He must be on his Bluetooth again, calling her while driving in his car. Typical. That we need to focus on what we can control. That's right. And what did I tell you two weeks ago when you started speculating about all the disasters that could occur, which are completely out of our hands? that if we can't control it, then it's not worth worrying about, he said sheepishly. You got it. So let's look at what we can control, okay? I have tomorrow's launch outline and schedule right here in front of me. Why don't we go over it one more time and see if we've missed anything? You think we've missed something? His voice went an octave higher. No, no, Helen said hurriedly, smacking her forehead. I just mean, why don't we go over it so I can outline everything we've prepared for the launch? she reverted back to a smooth, reassuring cadence. We've spent months on this project, Nate, and I think you'll agree once we go over it one more time that we have done everything in our power to make your launch a complete success. There was a knock on her office door at that moment, and Helen glanced up to wave the intruder away, but then saw it was Celine. Crap, is it four o'clock already? Helen hesitated as she looked at her sister. Celine, knowing Helen far too well, shook her head firmly and pointed to the clock on the wall. They had an appointment scheduled at that upscale boutique to look at wedding dresses. Helen had already told her boss she'd be taking off early for the day and everything. She shrugged, pointing to the phone in her hand, where Nate was still talking. She couldn't leave when there was a client emergency. It was that simple. Celine raised an unimpressed eyebrow, and for a moment, she looked exactly like their mother, Helen realized with a jolt. Is that what I look like when I raise my eyebrow too? Helen wondered. Probably. The three women were strikingly similar in their mannerisms. Celine would kill her if she canceled the appointment now, and it would be the height of rudeness to the to the boutique staff to do that too. Plus, it wasn't like this was an appointment where Celine could go on her own without Helen. Helen would have to be there. Tough luck, Nate. "Nate," Helen said into the phone, making a decision. I'm going to fax this document over to you again, okay? I want you to take a good look at it when you get home. No, I am not emailing it to you because then you'll pull it up on your phone right now like you did last time and I can't have you getting into a car accident over this campaign and then we'll talk about it in an hour after you've looked at it. Celine rolled her eyes and crossed her arms. Helen got the message. I mean, we'll talk in two... That is, how about three hours? Helen said into the phone, glaring at Celine. How long could this appointment possibly take? But whereas two hours had earned her an irritated toss of the head, three hours got her a nod of approval from her sister. Siblings could be so bossy. Nate agreed, sounding calmer as he did so, and Helen hung up the phone. Happy? she asked her sister. Yes, Celine answered with a smug smile. Helen gathered up her things while Celine waited. I can't believe you still use a fax machine. Are you living in the 90s? If it stops clients from checking their email while driving, then yeah, I'll stick with outdated technology. You know, I listened for a couple minutes before knocking, Celine told her conversationally. Now you're eavesdropping on my work calls? Celine didn't look the slightest bit ashamed. I didn't want to interrupt you. It seemed important. But, Helen? Yes. You did a good job of talking him down and soothing the guy. You're going to make a great mom someday. Helen stopped, looking at her sister in surprise, warmth flooding through her. Celine knew Helen wanted to have kids at some point down the line, but it wasn't something they talked about often. And as close as they were, sincere compliments like that weren't exactly their bread and butter. Just when Helen was wondering if she should go in for a hug, Celine jerked her head to the door. Come on, dork, we're going to be late. By the time they arrived, the woman at the wedding dress boutique had already picked out a variety of different styles for Helen to try on. She waved away their apologies for arriving a couple minutes late and encouraged Helen to take a wander through the shop to see all the options they had. Just in case something catches your eye that I haven't set aside yet, the wedding dress consultant said. She didn't sound convinced that she had missed anything. Regardless, Celine started going through the racks on one wall and Helen went along another. At previous shops, Helen had found herself getting overwhelmed and frustrated with the different options. It was difficult to tell what the gowns would look like unless they were on her body, and so many of them were so similar, and it didn't help that she wasn't quite sure what she was looking for. Come to think of it, this whole experience of wedding dress shopping made her a lot more sympathetic to clients like Nate. There was something intimidating about making these kinds of choices. Helen thought that what might frustrate her the most about the experience was that she had never had a problem with shopping before. She knew how to put together an outfit. Hell, she had appeared in more street style features than she could count, and had organized more than one charity fashion show back in the day. Shopping and styling herself, and others, had always been the easiest thing in the world. But looking for a wedding dress was different. Normally, when Helen went shopping or put together an outfit, she did it for her own benefit. She thought about what she wanted from a particular look. She didn't pay much mind to all the eyes that would be on her while she was wearing it. A wedding was a whole different ballgame. You only get one chance to do a wedding, so you should do it right, she thought. How do I choose the dress that best represents me? When Ben proposed, Helen hadn't given any thought into how much she'd have to explore who am I and who are we as a couple. But it turned out there was a lot of that involved in planning a wedding. "'This is nice,' Celine commented, interrupting her sister's train of thought. Helen gave up on her rack and wandered over to look at the dress Celine had chosen. "'Yeah, it is. Might as well try it on.' "'Hey!' She reached over to pull out a dress from the next rack over. Helen smoothed the material on the skirt as she admired it. "'No way. You aren't getting a black wedding dress.' "'Why not? I love black.' Celine pulled a face. Black, really? It's just so bland and drab. Are you kidding? Black is the ultimate statement color. Can it even be called a color, Celine grumbled. There's power in black. Black can be anything the wearer wants it to be. It's a blank canvas. You can be as loud or as quiet, as noticeable and attention-getting or as overlooked and ignored as you want to be in a given moment when you're dressed head to toe in black. You sound like you're reading from a manifesto. Helen glared. Well, I might have written about how black is a power color for the last fashion show I did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is your wedding. You're not going to be overlooked or ignored at all, Celine pointed out. I just don't want my wedding to be exactly like every other wedding, Helen said. What? Nothing. Celine tugged the black dress gently out of Helen's hands and replaced it on the rack. What is this about? I don't want my life to be forced into a particular box just because it's what, what's expected from society. God, she was starting to sound like Emma. Clearly she'd heard her friend give one too many speeches on the topic. So you want to fight the man by wearing a black wedding dress? Oh, shut up. "'It's perfectly understandable to want your wedding to be special and unique to you,' a pleasant voice said, making Helen and Celine turn around. It was their wedding dress consultant.' She smiled and gestured for them to follow her. "'I have a selection here which are all lovely without having too much of that traditional feel.' "'Helen's very traditional,' Celine told the woman. "'There's nothing wrong with being traditional, and I am not.' "'Yes, you are.' "'No, I'm classic. There's a difference.' We have some lovely timeless gowns. I think you will enjoy, the woman cut in. Helen and Celine exchanged a look. Lead the way, Helen said. It took trying on quite a few dresses at that shop, but it finally happened. Before Helen had to rush back to the office to deal with Nate, she found the perfect dress, at last. She was still flying high a couple days later when she and Ben had another session with their premarital counselor. Premarital counseling was something Helen's mother suggested. Her friend's kids had each done it when they got married, and their marriages were successful. Thus, premarital counseling equated to a successful marriage in her mother's mind. Never mind that her mother had never gone through any kind of counseling, that yet still had a nice marriage with, her, with Helen's father. At any rate, when ma- her mother suggested it, it made sense to Helen. Why not do everything you could to ensure a happy marriage together? Besides that, Helen had gone for counseling at various points over the years for different reasons and found it to be useful. More recently, she'd witnessed firsthand the positive experience Emma had when she went to therapy within the last year. So Helen and Ben found a premarital counselor and made it a priority in their life. Their premarital counselor, Janet, was a solid B+, decent at her job and a nice enough woman. They'd only been to a few sessions with her so far, but it was eye-opening. There was something fascinating about getting an outsider's expert perspective on your relationship. Premarital counseling should be a prerequisite every couple has to go through before getting married, Helen reflected as they greeted Janet and sat down with her. Obviously, our relationship is already fantastic, but I bet it would save a lot of people a whole lot of heartache. It would decrease the divorce rate, too. People can be so obtuse when it comes to the health of the relationship they're in. Today, why don't we talk about your plans for the future together, Janet suggested. We have our whole life figured out, Ben said confidently. Once I get tenure in a couple of years, we're going to start trying for a baby. We want to stay in the city, Helen added. Might move to a bigger place after we have the first kid before the second one comes along. That sounds nice, Janet said, asking them a few more questions about their future plans before switching tactics. And how are the wedding plans coming along? It's going really well. I haven't been around for as much of it as we'd like, but we're making progress. I appreciate how much Ben is doing, Helen said. Show your appreciation for your partner had been lesson two in Janet's teachings. Your job is important, Ben assured her. Acknowledge each other's priorities was lesson three. We're a team, so when one of us can't be around as much, the other needs to pick up the slack. It happens to be me this time around. You're stronger together when you work as a team, so take time to explore that, had been lesson one. Helen nodded in agreement. We're having fun with the wedding planning, but it's not taking over our lives. That's good, very good. Many of the couples I see tend to be so focused on the wedding, they forget they're committing to a life together, Janet smiled indulgently. Not us, Ben answered, reaching over and squeezing Helen's hand. We're looking forward to it, just the two of us, until kids come along anyway. "'Feels good not to have to worry about all that dating nonsense and the pressure to find someone,' he added. "'It's so special when you've already found each other,' Janet said. "'No more awkward first dates,' Helen laughed, remembering a few of the truly awful ones Emma and Scarlett had been on over the past few years. "'Of course, both Emma and Scarlett, her non-monogamous friend and her single friend, had the benefit of getting other firsts that Helen would never have again. "'Like the first kiss was someone new,' Helen thought.' She swallowed, trying to shake the thought from her head. But she couldn't. Instead, her heart pounded and she could feel the heat rising in her cheeks. Helen and Ben had been in a relationship for most of their adult life. They'd met in university and been together ever since. And it was great. They loved each other very much. Only, somehow, up until this moment, Helen hadn't given much thought to how they would never be with anyone else again. I will never have another first kiss. Never again. Not even one more tiny first kiss to give me those butterflies that only a first kiss can. Honey, are you okay? Ben asked, alarmed. Helen pressed a hand to her hammering heart. Well, let's see. I think I'm having a panic attack. She managed to paste a smile on her face, focusing on breathing slowly in and out, in and out. I just remembered something I was supposed to do at work. That's all, Helen lied. Honesty is a foundational pillar of every healthy relationship, was another one of Janet's lessons. Lesson five or six, Helen couldn't remember. Ben started to stand up. Do you need to go back to the office? He was always so damn understanding about the importance of her work. No, no, no. I just... Let me make a quick phone call. I'll be right back. Helen escaped outside and leaned against the wall, the cool breeze feeling good against her bare arms. She sat down on the steps, closed her eyes, breathed in and out, in and out, in and out. Her heart still pounded in her chest, but it didn't feel as though she might drop dead on the doorstop anymore. That had to be a good sign. A few minutes later, feeling somewhat composed once again, she returned to Janet and Ben. All dealt with. Where were we? Helen smiled at them, tucking her unused phone back in her purse. And that was chapter two of She Wants More, book four in the Polyamorous Passion series. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on all of this. What do you think of oral storytelling? And did you enjoy listening to this chapter of the book? Feel free to email hello at SaganMorrow.com or connect with me at SaganLives on Twitter and Instagram to chat about it. Thanks so much, and I will see you in the next audio recording.